0: welcome into the wire sports weekly it's thursday april 26th 2018 Uh, gorgeous beautiful sunny day here in milwaukee wisconsin on marquette university's campus it's actually about 60 degrees and it feels like Kind of feels like summer as Brendan Plone is waving his hands up in the air like he just doesn't care. I mean, like I, I, if only this podcast had video. Regardless, I'm your host as always, Jack Phillips. I already introduced Brendan Plone, our other Marquette men's lacrosse beat reporter, as well as Megan Rock, who is also here, the women's lacrosse beat reporter. Guys, thanks for being here. But uh, there's a lot to talk about as the uh, both lacrosse seasons are coming to an end, at least in the regular season. And one team, uh, the Marquette men's lacrosse team, is actually going to be in the Big East tournament already. However, the women's lacrosse team is just one win away from clinching their first first uh, Big East tournament in program history. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll it'll be interesting to see if they can do it. But we'll well, we have Megan Rock to talk about that part. But for now, let's start with the Marquette men's lacrosse portion of this podcast. So Brendan Plone, the Marquette men's uh, lacrosse team, they conclude their regular season at Denver on Saturday at at two o'clock p.m. to be exact, or at least that's when the game starts. So. And Denver is the fourth team in the nation, or they're ranked fourth in the nation. So, what what should we expect from the Golden Eagles in this one?
1: Well, um, honestly, it's going to be a toss-up because Denver is one of those juggernaut teams in the Big East that Marquette has always had a. Um, it's either always gone two ways. It's, in the regular season, it'll be a blowout, and then they'll find a way to scrap together a stunning victory in the Big East. Uh, tournament, but um, as for the regular season, um, Marquette's coming off of a 17 to five loss against the number three team in Duke last Friday, and
0: they actually moved up to number two now. Okay. They moved up a spot, so right.
1: So it's back to back juggernauts, um, college lacrosse blue bloods, if you will, to end the season for for Marquette, and you know, last week uh, we kind of saw what happens when you know your offense can only get you so far and you've got a young defense and Denver they are there's a reason why they're top 5 number 4 in the team in the country a guy like Ethan Walker he leads the team with 41 goals 18 assists and 59 points meanwhile it's tough enough when you've got a guy like him on at attack but when you've got arguably one of the greatest face-off men in all of college lacrosse history and trevor baptiste he's won 77 percent of his draws this season 214 of 276 from the dot this year going up again a guy like zach melillo who's marquette's all-time leading um face-off winner so it's going to be interesting to see so like the styles of um you know offense come sort of contrast and uh go at it if, if you will because you know Marquette, we have seen them uh, when they've been at their best on offense. We've seen them when they've uh, been quite, well, slow and not scoring as many goals. And when the offense isn't moving, when the passes aren't flowing, when, you know, the picks aren't coming like when they're supposed to, Marquette sort of gets out of sync. So uh, my question is going to be, which Marquette offense are we going to see this week and who will step up in the big moment? Well, for one thing,
0: I know that you talked to uh, Coach Amplo a, a week or two ago, about, and uh, Coach Amplo was saying that these games against Duke and Denver were not necessarily – they're obviously on the radar, but their main concern was getting their young team ready for the Big East Tournament because in the end that's what they're really ready for. Yeah. And they're fortunate enough to see Denver as um, they actually might uh, – and they, we know that Marquette is best of them in the last two years with Denver, so Denver definitely looking to be able to stop that trend this year.
1: That's, that's in the Big East Tournament. Exactly. But- in regular season, Denver has Marquette's numbered every day of the week.
0: Oh, I know. I'm saying like in the Big East tournament, wise, like it's like Marquette's won it the last two years, so it's going to be interesting to see if Denver, like obviously, this is just a regular season game, so Denver's going to like or Marquette will at least be able to see what Denver's made of in this like kind of like in this game, this last game of the season. Right. But heading into the Big East tournament, if they were to meet, then it'll be interesting to see if Marquette can go can make it three years in a row that they defend the Big East title, or will it be a new Big East champion?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's always Joe Amplo's task when he challenges these late game but big name programs at the end of the season. Like, it's always, it almost always seems like Notre Dame, Duke, and Denver are at the tail end of the season, really prepping these guys for the postseason, or at least potential for it. And, you know, Denver is. I mean Denver, like like I just said, they've been the juggernaut in the Big East. They've they're the juggernaut of the West Coast lacrosse scene in general. Um, Bill Tierney is arguably one of America's best college lacrosse coaches. He knows how to win. He knows how to get the most out of his team. And Joe Amplo is doing the same thing with a young team. And we've seen them. Uh, we've seen some inconsistencies this year, but then again, we've seen some consistent moments. And players like John Wagner, five game-winning goals, leads the team with 26 goals, and he says he does not like the name Johnny Clutch. But hey, when you score five game-winners, it kind of just sticks with you. So uh, we'll see who's going to step up um, this weekend. But I feel like someone that could be sort of you know under the radar, but still is a very key guy for Marquette would be Connor McClelland. Um, He's got 14 goals, um, 16 points. He's got 45 shots on the team. Um, you know, he's just one of those. And he, he's caused, you know, 18 turnovers on the season. And so he's just one of those guys where offensively you want him f- for an offensive uh, chance late on. Maybe for someone besides John Wagner to take the big sh- time shot.
0: I was going to say that uh, one thing that you, I, I, going back to the point of like how Marquette can like, at random points in the game, you know, we, and you've said this before with like, for example, with the Notre Dame game, how it's those little stints that Marquette can go into where one minute, like kind of what we saw in the Providence game, where you're down 7-11 to 11 with a minute and 37 left and you somehow force overtime. But in the same instance, on the negative side of that, when you're up against Notre Dame with a minute to go, and you end up giving up two goals in that one minute and losing 7-6. to 6. Mm-hmm. So... It's game, it's things like that that and obviously the, and Coach Ample was said it comes with the young team they're learning and they're really getting they're just getting used to the college lacrosse scene, but you know and I guess coming into this this postseason or this Big East tournament I should say it's going to be interesting to see if the young Golden Eagles can correct those little stints of giving up two goals in a minute or or having to really force. Like having to just give it their all and score four goals in the last two, like minute and a half in a, in a game. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what Marquette can at least do against Denver. This is sort of kind of a prep game going into the Big East tournament. Yep. It'll be, be interesting to see if these two teams will meet in the Big East tournament. It'll be unlikely that they, they, they won't meet in the first round. But. No.
1: It's, so this, this game is significant for Marquette for a number of reasons. One of which, and most importantly, it's to determine the number one seed for the Big East Tournament. If Marquette wins, um, if Marquette does defeat Denver, it would go into a mini conference, and um, it would depend on, you know, how Marquette did against Villanova and how Marquette did against Georgetown. Well, they went one and one, but so did Denver, um, I believe. And I believe if Marquette does win, they would get the number one seed um, because they beat Georgetown. And I believe Denver actually lost to Georgetown. Wait, let me.
0: Well, well the one thing that has to be interesting about it Either is. Either way. I'm wondering if yeah. maybe it would be like hockey, or, or like. Or it, I, think, I think soccer does this, or hockey, yeah, where it's like. It was. Where we gave soccer. up the most goals doesn't get it.
1: No, or no, like that. no. The Big East. The Big East. Oh, God. This, it, this can, brings back bad memories because this was the exact same situation that the men's soccer team was in the fall, where it came down to a mini conference and we did all the math and all the scenarios and all this, that, and the other. And now that I think about it, yeah, probably heading into this podcast, I probably should have uh, made the whole mini conference thing up as uh, we went along. But either way, you know, this game is significant for market for a number of reasons, mostly because of the Big East tournament seeding. But if they do beat Denver, they will get the number one seed in the tournament, guaranteed. And then also, you know, in terms of, quality wins this would be up there again um you know they've had good wins against ohio state against georgetown um you know against providence but you know the non-conference schedule is kind of you know it's hurt like i that that notre dame win would have been huge it probably could have even possibly get gotten them back into the talking point of being on the bubble but now in all likelihood re- regardless of what happened this weekend what Who cares about the seed? They're going to have to go through the route of winning the conference championship and doing it the hard way, which, well, the last two years, they've done a really good job of.
0: And actually, regardless of anything that happens, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do against Denver and in the postseason because – Marquette, they've done it for two years. they do, they done it the last two years. It'll be interesting to see if they can do it for a third year in a row. But it's definitely going to be a hard task when you got such a young offense and just a young team in general. But moving on uh, to the next point, uh, the regular season is really about to close. It's going to be done by 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock on Saturday for the Golden Eagles. So. Brandon, what are your thoughts on the overall season for the for the Golden Eagles? Uh, Are you impressed, disappointed with their season? Um, And have they? And and I guess with obviously, you know, being a young team, we sort of expected this, but have they taken a step back compared to what they were capable of the last two years and what we've seen from them?
1: No, I do not. They're a young team. They're inexperienced, but they've got a lot of potential. I mean if you think about who they're really losing, I'm granted after this year they won't have a goalie like Cole Blazer who's who's been there for as Joe Amplo said, he's been there for every big time moment in program history. But, you know, they'll have guys like uh Orsini, Wagner, McClelland, and then on defense he will have guys like Brendan Connolly, uh Colin Real and others. And so, um, yes, this team is young in sense but honestly it was what i expected like i knew it would be they'd have some uh tough games especially just going up the gaunt uh, going up a against a gauntlet gauntlet of a schedule like the big east and like the non-con like joe amplo loves to do Um, i mean when you play teams like ohio state michigan um nova uh, duke you know, those are some solid, solid teams. And for a young team, did did we expect them to be, you know, beating everybody and no. But I mean, did we expect them to get some wins here and there? Yeah, and that's what they did. And so honestly, I thought it was right around where they should have been. And so for me, looking at, you know, as a at a forty thousand foot view, you've got a lot of potential there, especially for a big time run next season i mean they're they're always in the top 25 top 30 top maybe even top 15 at some points um but i feel like this year they have taken a in fact they've i think they've taken a step forward in a lot of ways because of the the guys who have stepped up when you know you really didn't expect them to um and so Going forward, yeah, they're young, but hey, they're one heck of a young and exciting team. And so I think they'll be just fine.
0: And actually, the one thing I wanted to mention was that I think Marquette got extremely lucky with the fact that John Wagner's a junior, and Anthony Orsini has stunned everyone and just been how, or played how he has played, which is tremendously, and throughout the season.
1: You know who's coming back next spring? Tanner Thompson.
0: That is a good point.
1: The Marquette's leading goal scorer from last season. So, if there's ever a reason to be oh no, it's not going to be a good year. Well, just wait till next year, folks, because mm-hmm. Marquette's offense is going to be locked, loaded, and ready to go. I mean, they already are. The defense is, you know, granted, the defense has been solid. Um, the offense needs to get a little bit, I'd say, more consistent in terms of the number of goals, and because they do, they do have a good number of shots per game. It's not like the offense isn't completely dead. It's just they're slow, they're efficient, and they get goals when they need to, not not necessarily at will. Not like a team like a Denver, a Duke, or Notre Dame.
0: And they, and I said there, and the Golden Eagles, although they are going to be losing a um their four-year goalman and cole blazer, it's going to be to see the goal. I, honestly, I feel like it's going to be somewhat of a reverse next year where. We expect the Golden Eagles' offense to be like a powerhouse, especially when you said Tanner Thompson's gonna be coming back. Combine yeah. that with John Wagner and Anthony
1: Morsini. I mean, yeah, Nick Grill, Nick Grill too on defense. Is, he's gonna be a junior. Um, I mean, we've seen what he can do last year, um, and so, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like they'll be honestly they'll they'll probably be in a lot better spot than people think. Hmm. It it seems like this is you know. A classic year where the lacrosse community is like, yeah, Marquette's not going to do anything. They'll they're going to take a step back, this, that, and the other, and then I would not be surprised, to be perfectly honest with you, if they make a big time Big East run. I wouldn't be surprised because it's quintessential Joe Amplo to be like, keep his team under the radar, and then boom, once you know late April. Early May hits; they hit their stride, and everything seems to go to plan. And they find a way to get to the NTAs, but we'll see if that'll happen. But I mean, I don't see why it couldn't. Coincidentally, there's
0: only about three days left in April. Three or four.
1: Oh, jeez. Isn't that
0: weird to think about? And oh you're going to be graduating God. soon.
1: Oh, don't remind me.
0: All right, I won't remind you. That's what that's what Andrew Goldstein said on the last podcast. But anyway, you know, still an impressive season for the Golden Eagles. And being such a young team, they've still put up one heck of a year. So I would agree, somewhat of a step forward in what you said. But uh, final point with the Marquette men's lacrosse team. So heading into that Big East tournament, what are your expectations for the Golden Eagles? Because they're young, but they are two-time defending champions in the Big East. So can they 3 threepeat or do you think this will be the year they they finally give it give it to a team like denver
1: well that is the million dollar question isn't it um i mean for all for all the uh i guess lack of goals in you know timely in a timely manner that have not happened they've also had the five game winning goals you know it's this offense is so i guess Bipolar, I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, they'll score like six or seven goals, but then, you know, score four in the final minute 37. So it's like, literally, this team is the ultimate anything-can-happen team, and if their defense can, you know, um, stand down a bit and, uh, you know, find its extra gear come tournament time, I don't see why they can't make a to the championship game. But granted, you know, a team like Denver, a team like Nova stand in the way, which is already tough enough, especially when you're going to be playing at Villanova. Um, that's where the Big East Tournament will be held. But uh, we'll see what will happen. I mean, it's always... This team is always so exciting come Big East Tournament time because you really do never know what's going to happen. And so, like I said, I would not be surprised if they make a deep run. I don't know. I don't think they... Can, I've contradicted myself too much on this it, podcast already, well, but
0: well, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, 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 Life, it, it, it is. it's Life, man.
1: It's unpredictable, just like Marquette lacrosse.
0: Yeah, it's a tough question. I, I think the Golden Eagles, obviously they have the potential to do it, but I think that I'm going to be honest, any, for any sport, for any team, it's going to be, it, it's hard to three people because you have to think about how different and how much the team changes each year. And Marquette again. We say they take a step forward in the sense that they're still they're still putting themselves on the radar. So even though you said Joe Ample wants to keep them off the radar at least until come postseason, um, they're still on the radar. They're still they're still I think a top thirty, top thirty five team in the nation. Um, and Especially with such a young offensive core, you got a freshman who's your second um, goal or your your second goal leading scorer. So I think Marquette. I definitely think they can win the Big East. Don't get me wrong; I think you're completely right with that. But I, I think this year, I think it's Villanova and Denver. I honestly think if Marquette, even if they made it to the Big East championship, I'd be happy with that. To even get there and be like, hey, you know, like we're this young and we're still fighting for the Big East, like that's impressive enough. I think that Denver's gonna if they if they make the Big East tournament or the Big East championship, I should say. Like, I think that they'll lose to Denver, assuming Denver makes it. Um, so assuming that they are the one seed and Denver wins this regular season game come Saturday afternoon. However, if Marquette lost to Villanova or a team like Georgetown, I wouldn't be surprised. I think that um, again, anything's possible. But and Marquette, evidently, has shown that they can they can score go- four goals in a minute thirty seven, but they can give up two goals in a minute. So it it really anything's possible in lacrosse. It's really quick. It's it's a it's a quick sport. It's a quick game, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they can do. But thank you, Brennan, for your comments regarding the Marquette men's lacrosse team. I want to bring in our women's lacrosse thank beat reporter. You, oh, no, of course, Brennan. But I'm going to bring in our women's lacrosse uh, beat reporter, Megan Rock. So, Megan, uh, still a lot to talk about with the women's lacrosse team. Um, definitely a lot of things have been going on for the team in general. Um, their season concludes, actually, following their matchup with UConn at home Saturday afternoon. So, if they win, Marquette clinches their first Big East tournament in program history. So, this is the million-dollar question, Megan. Will the Golden Eagles get it done, or will they fall just short come sat- Saturday afternoon? Because both teams are playing in Saturday afternoon. I think they both start at 2 o'clock, too, which is actually kind of co- a co- coincidental in, in, a, in a sense.
2: Yeah. Well, it's definitely going to be a close game. UConn's coming off of a 20-19 to 19 overtime win against Vanderbilt. and 19 Yeah. Women's lacrosse, it goes pretty high. A um, lot of free position shots, but... Um, in regards to coming off the Vanderbilt win. We saw earlier this season when Marquette played Vanderbilt I believe we won or Marquette won 13-11 to 11. so we saw that Vanderbilt has a stellar 1v1 defense so the fact that UConn could break through was incredible and also they have Grace Nolan who's the top goal scorer in the Big East, and she was seven for seven in free position shots over the last week. So she's going to be very dangerous. She's almost equivalent to Grace Gabriel for the Golden Eagles, so cool. it'll definitely be a matchup between the Graces.
0: And you have to remember that actually Jules Horning, she had one half of game, didn't she, in the last game too?
2: Yeah, she had 19 saves, I believe it was, and if you watch uh, the replays of it, uh, Jules when she caught the free position shot and she saved it and it went into overtime she was a little bit cocky when she held the ball on her cross uh, it might be on Twitter but she had a stellar game.
0: I was going to say just like thinking about that because it'll be interesting to see you said the battle of Grace's but will it be more of like a Grace Nolan versus a Jules Horning depending on how many free position shots Marquette gives her.
2: Yeah when I spoke to Coach today she said that they're still going to be aggressive obviously they're going to mark her as I would mark any good player coming in but they're definitely going to put their best defender on her and really limit the amount of fouls and putting her on the line because we've seen that all season. That's really where Marquette's given up a majority of their goals.
0: And it's going to be interesting to see definitely what they do in this game. I, you know, and honestly, but I, I guess uh, the final, qu- or like really quickly, do you think Marquette can get this done? Like, do you think they'll win that Do you think they'll finally make the Big East tournament?
2: I think they can get it done, yes. Do I it? have faith. I think... Also, only having one loss at home this season is stellar. Who knows if it's because of the dome and the white lacrosse ball and the white ceiling. We've kind of had that conspiracy theory, but there's really no true testament to that. But I think just having that confidence that they've had all season, coaches talked about it, uh, the players have talked about it, it's really been instilled into their driving force, I guess, going into game day. So... I don't know. I can see them coming out on top really if they just go in with the right mindset and they have the other grace marked pretty well.
0: I was gonna say I, I um, I'm glad you brought up that conspiracy because I remember when I was a kid and I used to play baseball. Uh, one time I ended up having to I used to wear um, like a white long sleeve shirt under my arm when I when I was a pitcher and the the umpire made me take off my undershirt because apparently it was distracting the batter because he couldn't see the ball coming from my hand. <laughs> Even and then I end up striking out the side and saving anything. Like that's that's my own personal story. I just thought yeah. that was funny that you brought up that little conspiracy. Maybe but. they'll make us
2: paint <laughs> the roof. Also, of the it dome. was a
0: subtle brag on my fourth grade self. But regardless, <laughs> the Golden brag. Eagles. So, if the Golden Eagles were to lose, because remember, UConn's four and four right now. So whoever wins this game makes the Big East tournament. Theoretically, I almost Temple somehow sneaks in. I think.
2: Yes. So it's basically the battle between Marquette and UConn right now. Depending on Saturday's outcome, that's when I'll look more into like the Temple standings and. How they'll make the tournament because I believe they're at five and three or no they're four and four. Yeah, they're both four and four. Someone be- there's someone f- I think Denver's five and three with us, there's something along those Here, lines. Actually, I can't. I can't. Well, I know I actually. Remember.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah, Denver's five and three as well.
2: Yeah, so I think we're sitting at the fourth seed with them. So mm-hmm. a win over UConn would secure a spot in Big East tournament, which is huge.
0: Well, if the Golden is were to lose. And they were to miss the miss the biggest tournament again in their what seven to eight year old program history. Six
2: to seven, I think. Oh, six to seven. Okay. it's their sixth so,
0: season. So, would you count this season? Now, this is I know we talked about this before the podcast. So I'm already kind of expecting the to be to be shunned <laughs> for this question. But would you count this season <laughs> as their most disappointing season in program uh, history? Now, before you answer, when I say most disappointing, I mean in the sense that they were this close, yet they came bit, and they were this close, yet so far, in the sense that. All they had to do was win one more game, and they were there. But they let they they let they gave up four games in a row and gave up their spot. Assuming they lose.
2: Okay, so hypothetically, if they lose, but when I previewed this question, I was a little bit salty and wrote, "Not even close to a disappointment at all," with an exclamation point because I think this is the most outstanding season they've had in the record book and statistics. Uh, like statistics-wise, we saw before they started playing Florida that they were 5-0 and in the Big East, and that's insane. I don't think they've ever done that in the program's history. So to lose to Florida, not a big deal. To lose to Georgetown, not a big deal. Number 23 in the country, but... Um Denver, they should have won that game. That was the misconnections with the lower attackers, and they were just trying to make passes that truly weren't there. They had 16 turnovers in the first half alone, and that's what they aimed to be the amount of turnovers for a whole game. So I think that this is just the beginning for Marquette. No matter if hypothetically they lose or win, uh, they'll always bounce back next year, especially because they're only losing three seniors. A couple of them will be returning back for another season. So I don't see this loss as disappointing. I see it as a, like, a stepping stone for the program, and especially Meredith Black and all the hard work she's put in this season.
0: And One of those three seniors is going to be Allison Lane, who's, like, who's got the most draw control on that team. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Golden Eagles, who their, who their go-to gal will be next year.
2: Well, they still have Grace Gabriel. That, so that's a good point. They Allison Lane and Grace Gabriel, they have the recipe for success in the draw control circle. So I think if Grace steps up and really fills that leadership position within the draw control circle, um, an underclassman will definitely step up and fill her spot and Grace can train her throughout fall ball. So I think it'll be okay for the Golden Eagles.
0: And actually, I said this before, but I think that one of the one of the girls that is going to step up next year, a uh, current freshman, will be a sophomore in Caroline Stellar. I think that and Coach Black has actually commented prior, like earlier in the season, that she's one of like her favorite, or like not favorite, or her like most impressive freshmen, like other than obviously Jocelyn Mirror, who started every game. Like the only freshman two on defense that two start every game. So um, I don't know. I just think like I said I have, I've got a good feeling about Carolyn Steller and see what she can end up doing in the uh, future with the Marquette Golden Eagles. But all in all, regardless of whether or not Marquette makes it to the Big East tournament. In your opinion, Megan, do you th- who who I, I, this is probably a very easy answer? So I kinda' Looking at this question, I probably could answer it myself. But regardless of if they make it, who is Marquette's MVP, their most improved player, and their most underrated player of the season?
2: Okay, MVP. We've definitely talked about this, Allison Lane. Really? Her,
0: oh, I think you to say Grace Gabriel.
2: I well, Grace Gabriel is a junior. Okay, so Grace Gabriel has another season. Yes, statistically, she's. Outstanding, But I think Allison Lane being a senior and being a leader of the team and Grace Gabriel is one of her co-captains, um, I think personally for me being an MVP isn't just stats. It's also in the character of the player. So kind of what I've seen this season, I believe it's Allison Lane. Uh, most improved, I think, is Jules Horning uh, back in goal. She's, as we talked about earlier, against Georgetown, 19 saves, a career high. That was Crazy, and then for most underrated, I think this season it could be either Jocelyn Miller or Riley Hill. Riley Hill really stepped up and was a main feeder for the attack this season after they lost the attack trio, and then Jocelyn Miller's really stepped up on defense with her counterpart Alex Gambacorta and being aggressive while also not fouling as much. So,
0: I I I all I'm gonna say is I don't disagree with you. I think the MVP. I'll give it to Allison Lee because she's a senior, and definitely because she's she's scored a lot of goals. She has all the draw controls on the team, so I'm I'm not like I'm definitely not disagreeing, yes. but I don't know. I, I, I was I automatically assumed oh or Grace Gabriel. I automatically assumed. It. I was like no okay. Right. Yeah. But save it for a senior year, so Assuming yeah. she has good statistics. I think again. Grace
2: has been off in a couple of games too. She's not scoring as much, so I mean that doesn't take away from any of the athlete that she is. But I don't know. I guess we just have differing perspectives.
0: Now, does Brennan Plone have a question? Do. You I can, do. if you want to, you come on in. Okay. We can share this oh
1: microphone. All right, so um, two questions. Oh, boy. Two of them. Wow. So where, in terms of si- significance and importance, does this game rank for women's lacrosse? Considering it's a home game, it's the final game of the year, All, everything's on the line for them. Um, you talked to Coach Black today. But what's she saying about this game and uh, in terms of how significant it is?
2: Well, when I also talked to Charlotte McGuire and Riley Hill, they told me that they've never won to against UConn. So I haven't gotten that far in my research for Saturday's game, but that part of it's huge. They also, if they win, they will earn a seed in the biggest tournament, which has never been done in program history. So that's also huge. Another major factor is going the season with only one home loss. Uh, that would be stellar and outstanding, especially with how young the program is. And I think I, that's really it. Yeah,
1: I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, um, what? Yeah. So we talked about Coach Black, but what? Um, what? What Charlotte's saying as a senior? What? Sh- what are her emotions going into this game?
2: Oh gosh, when I sat down with both Charlotte and Riley, oh, yeah. I, think I, it, I think it. I think it was a hard. I don't. It's hard to say. I guess it was a tough question, but more so Riley. I spoke with her at the beginning of the season going into their very first game, and she was kind of all over the place emotionally. She was said it was her last first game as a senior. So to put things in per, into perspective for her, and then talking to her before her last senior game in regular season, she said she doesn't really know the outcome of Saturday's game. Obviously, they're hoping for the best, but Just to be surrounded with her teammates for the past four years she's really had growth and development and i think it's just who she surrounds herself with and when she was a freshman the seniors that she had as leaders really helped shape her into the leader she is today for the underclassmen in regards to charlotte mcguire she just said her contagious laugh and positive attitude on the field is something that she'll miss sharing with her teammates but has also helped them in games, I guess, kind of relax and not take things as seriously as they should sometimes.
0: Well, definitely going to be an interesting game with Denver because it could be the last game for the three seniors in the Marquette Golden Eagles. But it'll be interesting to see if Marquette can actually cl- actually win this game against UConn and clinch their first Big East bur- bid in B's tournament bid in program history.
2: Yeah, Saturday's a big day, senior day too. All so right. lots of emotions everywhere.
0: All right, well, definitely probably, if if not one of the most, if not the most important, one of the most important games in program history. Thanks for that question, Brendan Plone. But regardless, we're gonna have to conclude this edition of The Wire Sports Weekly. So for Megan Rock, the women's lacrosse beer reporter, and Brendan Plone, the other men's lacrosse beer reporter, I am Jack Phillips. The secondary men's lacrosse reporter. I give, I'll give it to you. The you're the primary one. Audio producer. I'm the audio <laughs> producer. I'm the host of Wire Sports Weekly. As always, your host, Jack Phillips. And we will see you next time.